This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. You're listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR 91.7 FM. Meanwhile in Memphis is a program dedicated to the conversations that celebrate the organizations, initiatives, and people that are shaping Memphis for the better. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to develop, activate, and retain the city's most important resource, its people. Your hosts today are me, Rebecca Daly, and Anna Thompson. Today, we're continuing a conversation about healthy communities. This includes, but is not limited to, removing obstacles to health, such as poverty, discrimination, quality education, housing, and safe environments, as well as health care. So now, let's introduce our guests. Dwayne Spencer is the president and CEO of Habitat for Humanity of Greater Memphis and was a 2023 TEDx Memphis speaker. He has worked in nonprofit management for 29 years and led Memphis Habitat since 2001. Since joining Memphis Habitat, Dwayne has grown the organization from a nine-member staff to more than 60 employees, from a $1 million annual budget to $18 million, yowza, and from serving 15 to 20 families a year to approximately 250-plus annually through the launch of the Aging in Place program. Today, Memphis Habitat ranks in the top 45 home-producing affiliates and in the top five for home repairs out of more than 1,000 Habitat affiliates in the U.S. Dwayne holds a master's degree in public administration from the University of Memphis. Also joining us today is Marcy Stagner, who is the Director of Strategic Partnerships and Opportunities at Church Health of Memphis. Marcy was born and raised in Memphis and started working at Church Health Center in 2022. As the Director of Strategic Partnerships and Opportunities, she works with various organizations locally and nationally to move the needle of health equity forward. If you're not familiar, Church Health is a faith-based healthcare not-for-profit that believes in caring for one another as we'd like to be cared for. That's why they commit every day to making the highest quality care accessible to more Memphians, especially those facing social and economic challenges, so we can all live our lives with dignity, vitality, and joy. And for those not familiar, Habitat for Humanity of Greater Memphis works in partnership with families in need of adequate shelter to build decent, affordable homes. The homes are then sold to Habitat's partner families at no profit with basically no interest charged. Partner families invest hundreds of hours of their own labor or sweat equity into building their homes and the homes of others. Their mortgage payments go into a revolving fund for humanity that is used to help more families build decent, affordable homes. Volunteers provide most of the house building labor and Faith-based corporate and individual donors provide the money, materials, and labor necessary to build Habitat homes. So, without further ado, let's welcome Dwayne and Marcy to the studio. Welcome, Dwayne and Marcy. How are y'all this morning? Good. Thank you for having us. We're so glad you're here. Um, Can each of you start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves and your organizations? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Marcy Warsberg Stagner, of course, and I work at Church Health, which is located in Crosstown Concourse. Um, Church Health was founded 35 years ago by Dr. Scott Morris. And Dr. Morris is an ordained minister. He's also a medical doctor. He saw a newspaper article um, before he moved to Memphis. He's from Atlanta saying that Memphis was 
one of the poorest major cities in America. And he has this calling to heal the sick, of course. And he knew that not only did he have a calling to heal the sick, but to provide services to people who couldn't afford insurance. So he saw that as an opportunity when he saw that article and said, that's where I'm going. I'm going to Memphis. So saw that article saying that Memphis was one of the poorest major cities in America, decided that's where he was going, founded Church Health, started out in one building on Peabody, expanded to 13 buildings across Midtown on Peabody, Cleveland, and Union for 30 years. And the conditions of the buildings varied, of course. Access was difficult. Distance between services was a hardship for some patients. And so we moved all the services into one building at Crosstown, which increased our capacity and efficiency in 2017. Wow. So y'all were one of the original tenants then, I guess. We yeah, are the original the, yeah. anchor tenant of Crosstown. I love that. Yes. Snaps for that. Yes. For believing in that and also that revamp. So what about you, Dwayne? So um, I'm the CEO of Habitat for Humanity of Greater Memphis. This will be year 22 come August. I can't Congrats. really believe that. Um, our organization is about creating um, opportunities for very low income folks to buy homes for the first time. Um, and we do that by providing a zero interest mortgage, Ooh. which a lot of people don't realize, especially today. It's very important. Yes. Um, so it, we make it affordable by offering a zero interest mortgage. But the organization was founded in 1976 in a small town in rural Georgia. Um, and the goal then was still about creating opportunities for um, low income folks to move out of poverty housing situations. Um, and to be able to work together using their sweat equity to help build a home along with volunteers. And we still use that model today. It certainly evolved over time. Um, but uh, And then in 2015, we um, realized that there was a need to focus on repairing houses. And we got a very large grant from the Plow Foundation to um, begin doing aging in place. A lot of folks don't know that we're doing that. Uh, but we do about 250 a year where we're going in and doing critical repairs for older adults. A lot of accessibility and mobility, but because of the condition of the homes, we really are doing critical repairs where we're like replacing the roof, that sort of thing. And flooring. Wow, yeah. Dwayne, could you talk a little bit about aging in place, what that means, and a little bit more um, in depth about the work that you're doing to make that possible? Yeah, so it really evolved after uh, the Great Recession. Uh, we realized that uh, a lot of houses were being uh, abandoned and foreclosed on after the 2007-2008. And in 2011, our international organization uh, came up with something called neighborhood revitalization. And uh, we realized it was something we wanted to be a part of. But in Memphis, we sort of coincided with Plow's research on uh, the plight of seniors to uh, repair their homes um, so that they could stay in them without moving out prematurely. And uh, we sort of jumped in with both feet and haven't looked back. And so the premise is to uh, keep the senior in the home without moving out prematurely. We started out um, focusing on accessibility, widening doors so that a wheelchair could could get in or removing, uh, you know, non-slip uh, or putting in non-slip floors, lever handles. You know, as we get older with arthritis oh, and that yeah. sort of thing, it becomes an issue. But the condition of the homes in Memphis where the lowest income folks are living, they're living in houses that are about 70 or 80 years old. 
And so then they also have the greatest need. And the families we serve are living on about $1,000 a month. So they could never put in a you know a ten no. or twelve thousand dollar roof, and so we are focused on uh, the things that are the most critical to keep them in the home without having to move out prematurely. That's huge and impacting yeah. um, overall health too. Is being able to stay where you're comfortable and stay where you are. That's exactly are right. Making where you stay comfortable also. Yes. Yeah. So how do you? uncover what the needs are in a home like you mentioned for arthritis specific handles are there experts on your team that are helping you understand the needs of your your folks uh yes so uh, along with uh, the construction person that goes out and does, does the physical assessment uh, we have a director of research she is an urban anthropologist and we also have a social worker on the team we have thought uh, most recently about adding um, an occupational therapist to the mix. That would be very unique for our organization. We have to figure that out. Um, but we are, you know, looking at sort of the physical impairments of the individual. And we have a conversation with them about, have you slipped? Have you fallen? Are you having issues getting up and, and, and down uh, on the toilet, in and out of the shower? And so those conversations reveal opportunities to sort of dig a little deeper into accessibility and mobility. The physical review of the home by our construction worker, we can easily see the the needs, um, like if it's a roof or floors caving in, or if they tell us that they've had issues getting in and out of the house, maybe they just need a ramp, and then we'll also install that. So it's a little bit of conversation with the individual about how they're living and um, our own physical assessment. So that's kind of also, like you mentioned, the like the overlap between some of your work, like if there was something that was medically needed due to the state of the home, so y'all could help repair it, but then hypothetically, they might be able to come to church health to receive some treatment, like if they had an issue that was caused by either mold or something like that in their home. Or a slip and fall, things like that. Yes. And I think that's one of the things we were so excited to bring both of you to the table was to talk about kind of that Venn diagram of the work that you do, the communities that you serve. um, And Really, that was grounded in your TEDx Memphis Talk, Dwayne, about the social determinants of health. Um, and I, I know we got a, a tease of that in your TED Talk, but Marcy, I'd love to understand a little bit more from church health's perspective. What what are some of those determinants? Absolutely. You know, over the past 35 years that church health has been in operation, church health has seen over 80,000 patients all living in Shelby County. That's a lot of people, a lot of people who need healthcare services that don't have access to it because they cannot afford health insurance. Um, You know, church health serves the working uninsured, those people who work to make our lives easier. They clean our houses. They cut our yards. They take care of our children. They build our roads. When it comes time for them to be sick and taken care of, they have very few options. And so that's where church health steps in to take care of our our Shelby County, our Memphis family, our Memphis community. Um, you know, we we define work. I said we take care of the working uninsured. To be a patient at Church Health, you have to be uh, working a minimum of 20 hours a week and be making 200% of the federal poverty level or less. And we consider work as anything that gives your life meaning. A lot of people come in with a W-2 or a 1099 as independent contractors maybe. Um, Taking care of your children in your home is work. 
Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. As, <laughs> as a mother, that is that very hard work. That is work. So, Thankless work often. <laughs> uh, exactly. And, and, and moms need health care and children need health care. And so, um, yes, we, we see the working uninsured. And again, work is anything that brings meaning to your life. We have what is called the Model for Healthy Living, and it is what guides everything that we do at Church Health. The Model for Healthy Living recognizes the relationship between these areas of our lives and becomes a tool for pursuing balance and satisfaction. So medical care, movement, friends and family, your faith life, your nutrition, you know, all of these things, there are seven elements that go into this model for healthy living. And again, it becomes a tool for pursuing balance and satisfaction. We see it like a wheel and we try to identify the areas of the wheel that our patients are a little bit bumpy on. Ideally, we would all have a wheel that moves, you know, that spins smoothly. In reality, none of us have a wheel that spins smoothly. (laughs) And so this becomes a tool for any of us to identify where things might be a little bit bumpy and where we can bring balance into our lives. And so it reflects the realities of our everyday lives, families, jobs, schedules, and reminds us of areas that we may tend to neglect. One component out of the balance out of balance affects everything else. And so that's how we use social determinants of health um, in our work. You know, Dwayne was talking about housing and how somebody's housing absolutely affects their health. If they're experiencing mold, if they have water, it could cause a slip and fall. Of course, inhaling mold causes a whole host of respiratory and other issues. And and they might come to church health. Those, those, those folks from Habitat might come to church health to be seen. And when they come into our provider offices and maybe let's say somebody comes in because they slipped and and you know they're they're one of Dwayne's folks and they say, you know, I'm I'm with Habitat and Habitat's been taking care of me and I've got water in my house and they're fixing it up, but I slipped and fell the other day. And they're going to come into our provider's room and they're going to do an assessment of the model for healthy living and identify where their wheels a little bumpy and say, "You know what? We know that you're pre-diabetic now." You know, we've done some some blood work on you and diabetes, of course, is a huge issue and, and the because of poverty. And a lot of the work that we do at Church Health addresses issues related to diabetes in our nutrition hub. We do healthy cooking classes. Uh, we provide healthy meals to our patients who are food insecure. We uh, in our dental clinic, a lot of the work that we do is related to diabetes and hypertension because it's just a slippery slope. In our eye clinic, we are working to expand right now uh, so that we can double the amount of chairs and providers and then patients that are seen. But we deal with a lot of diabetes-related retinopathy that is directly related to poverty, that is a social determinant of health. Absolutely. Um, Here at New Memphis, we've been having a lot of conversations about what makes a city livable and lovable, as well as what creates safe, healthy communities and both of the work of Habitat and Church Health is directly tied to building and sustaining healthy communities here in Memphis. I would like for you to each, you've talked about it both, um, but kind of get to the root cause of the why for both of your organizations. So if somebody is listening and they don't still kind of understand how somebody um, could access your services or why your services exist in the Memphis area specifically and what gap you're filling. So I'll focus on, we have two major programs. And so the, the homeownership piece, uh, the why is affordability. Now Memphis is 
considered a generally affordable city. Correct. In the U.S. Yeah. But when you're talking about um, buying a home Mm -hmm. and as interest rates continue to increase, um, a zero interest mortgage for the working poor is the way for them to access home ownership. It's critical. So most of the families that are coming to us are spending, um, you know, upwards of 50 percent of their bring home pay on housing. And we all know that that should be somewhere around 30 or 33 percent. Okay, wow. And so we're able to create that. Rather than in a rental situation, mm. but it's home ownership with that zero interest mortgage. And the other thing is, um, you know, the majority of them are African American, low income, uh, black folks who haven't had an opportunity yet to sort of build wealth through home ownership. And so we love that aspect of sort of helping, you know, level the playing field when it comes to home ownership. When we talk about aging in place, um, there are few resources for an older adult to be able to access help in doing critical repairs to their homes. And again, um, we are helping folks who are extremely low income. So, um, you know, we're, we're filling that gap. We are identifying the funding sources, but then also doing the physical work for them. And, you know, on the backside, what we're learning as we sort of look at the intersection of health and housing is that by doing the work and focusing on the individual, we're really saving money for the healthcare industry. And I talked a little bit about it in my TED talk. And we're hoping that it, it, you know, we can continue to sort of um, share the, the ideology of um, sort of preventative care and how it saves money on the backside. So when we take our blood pressure medicine or cholesterol medicine, we're trying to prevent a stroke or heart attack that's going to have a negative impact on our bodies but the MCO is going to have to pick up the bill, right? And so the same way with um, these homeowners, we're trying to keep them in their homes so that they don't, a, a lot of times they use the ER sort of like their primary care. An older person walks into the emergency room and if you hold your heart, they're going to see you immediately, right? It's a real thing. And the ER is the most costly yeah. you know, of, yeah, of hospital services. But then also the cost of um, like a one-bedroom uh, a nursing home facility is about 90000 a Huge. month. Just imagine if we keep one senior out of a nursing home for five years, we're talking you know, nearly $500,000 in savings. That money could be put back into prevention. We could wow, basically yeah. create for ourselves and other organizations who do critical repairs a pool of funding to keep doing the preventive, preventative work. You know, but it is about the individual, about keeping them healthy. But the savings cannot be denied. That's so interesting, too. There's always that relationship between what it looks like day to day, but also the city's bottom line. And I feel like that's so interesting that y'all are kind of hitting on both of those aspects. And I also really love the model that y'all have of not only sweat equity, but actual equity in homeownership. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not just building economic stability, but also economic mobility over time. And, you know, and with our uh, homeownership program, we are building primarily on vacant and abandoned lots. And so we're taking city building, and I, and yeah. I might Blight. say <laughs> often in communities that where, you know, sort of market rate houses are not being built. So we're taking those, those blighted lots and, and making them valuable again. So we're helping the individual or we're also helping the citizen. Absolutely. I mean, the city. Yeah. And we, we love to focus on sort of the idea of the curb cut effect. Have you heard of that? I don't know that I have. Can so you tell us about it? Yeah. The idea is that sometimes when you're focused on 
providing um, a service or benefit to help one person, it helps a lot of others. And so on streets where curves were cut in, originally they might have been put there for wheelchairs, right, mm-hmm. to help. But um, a mom with a stroller also benefits. Ah, right? I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. picking up what you're putting down. Exactly. <laughs> and then and you want to consider the fun aspect. I'm sure the um, the 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 person on the what do you call the the skateboard, skateboard scooter loves it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Bikes, anything else? Yeah. yeah, bikes as well. So it's exactly. yeah, yeah, mutually beneficial for all. Mutually beneficial. Yeah. Cut. That's fantastic. So in thinking through the impact of preventative care. Marcy, how does that play into the work that Church Health Center does? What's the power of prevention? You know, one of the things that we do that I'm so proud of is our wraparound services. If we have a patient that comes to us and they're experiencing a whole host of symptoms and they're wondering, they're trying to find an answer. Our our number one goal is getting our patients back to work because if our patients don't work, they don't get paid. They don't get paid. They don't eat and their kids don't eat. That's their rent doesn't get paid, their their mortgage doesn't get paid, they're built, their lights get turned off. This is a real situation. And so a lot of what we do focuses on prevention. If somebody comes in with a whole host of symptoms and we realize they are on the cusp of being diagnosed with hypertension or diabetes or already have those diagnoses or are um, struggling with obesity, we might not start with a physician. That might not make the most sense. We might call our health coaches in and our dietitians in and get them on a health plan, get them in our healthy cooking classes, talk to them about grocery shopping and also how to grocery shop healthy but affordably because we all that's know the key. Yeah. that's an issue, right? It's very expensive to eat healthy. But, you know, that, of course, is also a social determinant of health. Um, your income shouldn't determine your health outcomes but it does and that's just the reality of it that's a very unfortunate reality of it your your income does determine your health outcomes so what we are trying to do is flip the switch with church health and the services that we offer the wraparound sort of holistic model that we use with our model for healthy living we can call in our health coaches our dietitians get somebody in our amazing kitchen doing cooking classes. We also have the well, which is our child education program. So their children can get taken care of while they're being seen by any of our, our doctors, our staff. It's huge. You don't have to worry about babysitting. You don't have, you know, I have two children and I know how distracting it can be to try to listen to somebody while your kids are are running around. So you can, you and your provider can 100% focus on one another and your children are in the well learning about social determinants of health. It's not babysitting. It's, um, they, they go over the model for healthy living. So they're doing yoga. They're Ooh. learning healthy cooking mm. recipes. They're doing experiments. It's, I love that. It's very educational. It's very purposeful. Everything we do is very intentional. Um, our physical rehabilitation is top notch. And we don't call it physical therapy for a reason because we are open to occupational therapy, all kinds of services that our patients need because lots of our patients are doing very hard labor jobs Mm. and you get hurt doing very hard labor jobs. And we have had patients who have had to duct tape their knee so that they continue, so that they could continue working so that they could continue getting paid so that they could continue feeding their children when they really just needed a knee replacement. Oh, wow. And so our physical rehabilitation team is able to work with them 
get them a brace donated so that they can stop duct taping their knee. Nobody in America should have to duct tape their knee to be able to feed their family. It's, it's a moral <laughs> Marcy, issue. I, I, I can't wait to have a sidebar with you after this is <laughs> over. Um, because um, as we're getting our, our, our families ready for home ownership, we do a, a 12 to 15 week um, sort of financial fitness. Uh, but Ooh. we also, besides talking about credit and, and, and checkings and savings, yeah. um, will planning, that sort of thing, how to use your insurance. We also bring in um, specialists like um, firemen, uh, police officers, insurance professionals, um, but we also want to encourage them to make other uh, lifestyle changes that can be helpful to them. Because a part of breaking, um, well, I should say, in addition to breaking the cycle of poverty, which our homeownership program is doing, we're not prof- we're not health professionals, but we- I would love to see us sort of engaging and encouraging them to improve health by healthy meals, meal planning, all of that. So. Um, I'd love to sort of interject that into absolutely. Our 12 I mean, weeks. our our work is so intertwined, and you know, I talked about physical rehabilitation that we do, which is the most expensive therapy you can have, no matter if you have health insurance or not. And this is somebody you're talking to somebody who spent months in physical therapy last year after a surgery. It is the most expensive therapy that you can have, right. whether you have insurance or not. And so often it's it so, so you just don't do it because you're like okay well I'll just it, it, it'll oh, be fine a hundred percent yeah I, and that's not a good idea no no it's not, not. <laughs> and then that's where we end up duct taping our knees yes right and that's a moral issue we consider at church health we consider that a moral issue we have to take care of our people we have to take care of each other you know I am my brother's keeper kind of situation mm-hmm. and also empowering our patients to get back to work right our patients aren't looking for a handout Mm-mm. they're not looking for um, free and giveaway, right? They need a hand up. They want a hand up. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And so f- in our dental clinic, for example, we've seen patients who have super glued their teeth together so they can continue eating because dental work is also very expensive. Well, super glue will eat away at the enamel on your teeth. And so a lot of what we do in our dental clinic is we fix teeth. We try not to pull teeth because that's a very slippery slope. And Our favorite thing to show people when they come on a tour at Church Health is what we call our smile wall, where we have before and after photos (laughs) of our patients. And our patients are able to have economic mobility because we help to fix their teeth. They're more confident in their smile. They walk with their shoulders back. Nobody can go from a minimum wage job to a higher paying job with a mouth that they're afraid to smile with, that people are afraid to look at, right? And mm-hmm. and that's a whole other issue we're not going to get into now. But a lot of what we do in our dental clinic, for example, provides so much economic mobility and 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 physical rehabilitation as well. And those are just two of the things that we offer in our whole like wraparound services that we provide at Church Health. I mean, I mentioned before we're expanding our eye clinic so that we can help our our more patients. We can double our um we're expanding our eye clinic so that we can double the amount of patients that we see, double the number of chairs that we have in our clinic, double the number of providers at ophthalmologists. And so, you know, we have a big fundraising effort going on right now so that we can do that because our patients have diabetes and it has not been managed and it has not been taken care of. And it is now because they're at Church Health and we're helping them with that uh, holistically with medication, but also with diet, nutrition, exercise. Um, 
and we are addressing the issues that, like I said before, diabetes-related retinopathy and blindness are huge issues. We're not just giving people glasses. We are doing that, but we're doing a lot more. And I'll just add, you know, our uh, homeowners are in the same probably income bracket as your clients, and uh, they are not all at jobs that are salaried where, you know, if you miss a day, you don't get paid. That's right. Um, We have folks who, um, you know, have situations where, you know, if they have a flat tire or a broken windshield, that is a major incident that can spiral everything else out of control. So you're providing some great services at Church church Help. As are y'all. Here, here. As we expand our understanding of some of the unseen factors that go into economic mobility, um, that also gets me thinking about success. And uh, Dwayne, I'd love for you to share a little bit about the success of the programs that Habitat uh, puts on. Where, where are you seeing trends where things are going well? What are you most proud of? You know, it, it might sound surprising to, uh, for me to even say this, but sometimes it's, it's sort of rewarding when we see a family who moves out of one of our homes. So we, they are coming in because their, their wages are low, and this is the only opportunity to sort of entree to homeownership. Um, but if we're talking about breaking the cycle of poverty, as we move them from higher income rent, they have additional money to start making other kinds of decisions, like about maybe going back to school. And if they do that, we've had clients finish college, go on to get master's degrees, and come back and say, we're actually ready to move on to um, something bigger and better. It's like, isn't that amazing? And as they express the opportunity that that brought that to light, it was having the additional dollars to or or you know time to spend with their children, helping them with their homework, and and you know upward mobility is what we're all about. Wow! Yeah, that's really inspiring. Yeah. Marcy, um, we're curious to know how church health has seen social determinants of health improve and advance health equity. You know, thanks to a broad base of financial support from the faith community, the greater Memphis community, and the volunteer help of doctors, nurses, dentists, and so many others, church health has grown to become the largest faith-based healthcare organization of its type in the country. And our patients without church health They'd be going straight to the emergency room every time they're sick, every time they get an injury. That is the most expensive place that you can go to be seen uh, when you're sick. And our patients can't afford that. And so what we are doing is providing top-notch services, top-notch healthcare services to our patients who otherwise would be coming home with a huge bill or not going at all and staying sick. So We not only are at Crosstown Concourse, like I said before, we are the largest anchor tenant in the building, but we have over a thousand medical volunteers, volunteer providers all around Memphis and Shelby County so that our patients might not have to come depending on where they live because one of the challenges in Memphis we all know is transportation. If you can't get to your doctor's appointment, you can't get to your doctor's appointment. If your doctor's appointment, if your doctor's not close to you, you might not be able to go. And not everybody is living near Crosstown, right? Our poverty is spread out. So we have volunteer providers who, again, volunteer their time and their resources to see church health patients in their own offices during their regular office hours. 
my uh, primary care physician, for example, is a volunteer provider for church health. So when I go to the doctor, there's a very good chance I'm sitting right next to church health patients in the waiting room. Nobody knows, of course, but we're sitting right there together. We're getting the same level of care. And it's not that we have providers at church health who are providing um, a lower level of care because of what we offer. No, that's that's not the case at all. Our volunteer providers and our providers who we have on staff provide top-notch care that I would recommend anybody to see. We provide the kind of care that you would want your mother to get. That's really encouraging, too, to hear, um, and also very humanizing, frankly. I feel like in a lot of situations, poverty and the things that come from it can often make somebody lose their confidence and feel othered in a lot of community situations. So the fact that these really experienced expert physicians and providers are available is just really exciting and encouraging. Yeah, there's such a clear through line between health equity and community equity. And the more work that the two of your organizations are doing to bridge that gap, uh, the stronger our community is going to be. And Marcy, you mentioned volunteer physicians and healthcare providers. Um, are there other ways that non-healthcare professionals can get involved with church health and support your work? Absolutely. We are always needing volunteers. Uh, one of my favorite volunteer opportunities at Church Health is in our nutrition hub, our, our kitchen. We call it uh, Make a Meal, Share a Meal. Uh, otherwise, maybe it's known as meal prep in some circles. And you come with a bunch of your friends or your church group or your book club or, you know, whatever, your family. And you're in our nutrition hub for an hour and a half. And you, with this group, you can bring snacks, you can bring beverages, make it a party, you do whatever you want with it. This is your time. But during that time, you are cooking almost 200 meals and packaging them for our patients. And they go, the meals that you're cooking for us go directly into our community refrigerators that are placed throughout our clinic for our food insecure patients. They take, they are able to take them, no questions asked, because we believe that people should have access to high quality, nutritious food, no matter what their circumstances are. Again, your income should not determine your health outcomes, but it does. That's one of the ways that we try to mitigate that. Um, and that is a really strong and fun volunteer opportunity. We have a ton of volunteer opportunities, whether it's in our welcome center, in our nutrition hub, like I mentioned, um, just lots of opportunities for volunteering. Come and take a tour. Once you see it, you won't ever forget it. It's you're ready, Dwayne. I'm ready for a tour. Yeah, yes. yeah, we're gonna do that. We're <laughs> gonna really do excited. that. It's it's the most magnificent space. You'll never forget it. It's gonna stick with you forever. And you're gonna want to come work with us and you're gonna want to come volunteer with us. I'm not lying. I mm -hmm. took a tour and I said, Can I work here? How do I get here? How do yeah. I get here? How do I get here? And now I'm here and I love it so much. And um we just are so proud of the work that we do and we work tirelessly to do it. You really should be. Dwayne, in your TED Talk, you specifically mentioned um, investing in the intersection of health and housing. Um, I'm curious what other organizations, Dwayne and or Marcy, um, that you know other than Church Health and Habitat who are working to innovate at this intersection? So we work uh, pretty closely with an organization called Green and Healthy Housing um, Institute, okay. GHHI. They do have an office here in Memphis. Um, they're headquartered out of Baltimore green and healthy housing. And uh, they have led a lot of innovative thinking around sort of pay for success modeling. 
which is exactly what we're trying to do. Okay. Where we're saying when we, um, as we are investing in a simple repair uh, to make the home livable, we're also having this um, direct, while it's not the original intent, there's a very direct impact on the person's health. But the biggest um, beneficiary of the work is the health industry. And so when you think about um, the big pockets of funding for housing, it's this small, well, it is a big, it's big, but medical. Is huge. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's much larger. And if we could take just a small chunk of that to invest in the, the um, improving of the physical structure of homes, then we would have fewer people needing medical interventions. And so Green and Healthy Homes is the one that comes to mind first and foremost. Okay, awesome. Um, as you've both mentioned repeatedly on this conversation, um, living at or below the poverty line greatly impacts both housing and health care. Um, both Habitat and Church Health are faith-based organizations, but can you tell me a little bit about um, access for the community? And the, do you have to be religious to come to one of your organization's <laughs> things or things like all. that? Not at all. We don't proselytize. There's none of that. Um, that was um, basically our, our origin story. And uh, I mean, we still work with church partners. Mm -hmm. um, we still will hand a Bible to a homeowner if they want to accept it when we do the dedications. It's not forced on them. Um, but it's just, it's a sort of core principles. I think the most significant piece of that is our belief that we should give something back to our um, international partners. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that Habitat works in 70 countries around the world. And um, so out of the unrestricted dollars that we raise in our own community here in Memphis, or whether it's Atlanta or Los Angeles or Minneapolis, we send some of those dollars back and it's considered a tithe, a tithe, which is the general 10% of, you know, your, 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 your bring home pay. Um, but we send that back to help um, create housing solutions in other countries where fundraising really is not a thing. So in places like Kenya and Mozambique, you can build uh, or create a housing solution for $7,500 and you can move someone out of literally living um, in a tin box. And I've seen it myself in Nepal and Cote d'Ivoire, Guatemala um, and uh, Nicaragua, where people are living in really deplorable conditions. And so I think for us, we go back to the, the Christian identity um, by serving um, our um, friends and neighbors um, outside of the U.S. Church Health, of course, is a faith-based organization, given the name, the name. Church Health, exactly, <laughs> right founded there in the by name. a Methodist minister. Uh, what I will say is, is we don't proselytize either. We have a faith community engagement team who works with local congregations, um, to help take care of the church community and so that the church community can help take care of the Memphis community at the same time. And, you know, we couldn't do what we do without that. Also, uh, church health is one of the most welcoming and open places that I've seen. And um, I'll out myself, I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and I work at church health and I'm completely comfortable with it. Uh, we have a chapel where um, you know prayers are offered. Um, we also reserve the chapel on Fridays at a certain time for Muslim prayers. Uh, 
Um, Our patients come from all walks of life, all faith-based traditions. If they are interested in spiritual care, we have a minister on site to offer spiritual care to our patients and our staff, actually. Um, But if, if that's not something that they're interested in, that's great. What are you interested in? What what can we help you with? Where on your wheel, if faith life is not part of is not bumpy for you in your model for healthy living, where are the bumps? Okay, let's let's look at that. You want to do some yoga? Great, that sounds good to us. We meet people where they are. Both of your organizations do so much work in creating dignity and removing barriers, and I think that that's something that you know it. it makes me inspired to want to get involved more in the community. I don't know about you, Anna. Absolutely. Um, and Dwayne, I, you know, Habitat is something that I think a lot of students are familiar with. It's a project they would, on the weekends, go and physically help build uh, homes. Yeah. I know I did that growing up, um, and it meant a lot for me to be able to kind of see that transformation. Um, is that is that a way that folks can still get involved? How can folks get involved yep, and support Habitat? That is still Habitat? the primary way. Yeah, uh, you know, it's how people recognize us is uh, folks volunteering on the build site, and that still takes place. So it it's changed somewhat um, in regard to the activities that we can do. Like we can't put people on the roof anymore; it's a little bit too dangerous. We've moved away from that. <laughs> But uh, generally speaking, yeah, you can come out and lay sod and put up siding and, and, and paint and do trim. And the beauty of that is that you are likely um, working side by side with the family who's going to be living in the house. But the other thing is, um, you know, it creates sort of a, a leveling opportunity. So a company can send out the CEO as well as the receptionist or a delivery person and on the build site. Nobody, the, the only person equal. that's in charge is the site supervisor yeah. who's a part of Habitat. But everyone else is taking the same instruction and um, realizing that they're doing something that benefits um, an individual who's looking for this opportunity to buy a home for the first time. Love that. I'm curious um, what each of you would say is a common misconception about the work that you do. Like, for example, Dwayne, I didn't know that Habitat employed um, health anthropologists and or urban anthropologists mm-hmm. and frankly the first thing I thought of when I think of Habitat is like you said like building houses but also like Jimmy Carter like in a hard hat <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. I didn't realize I think the global impact but also the research and the yeah. um, that kind of aspect so do you have any other kind of top of mind misconceptions that somebody you know, like might I, when, I, when I started the, like I said the first one is that people think we give houses away and we have stopped we've stopped saying uh, home owner and we've we've leaned into home buyer because of it's a little more indicative yeah. for the, the novice person out there home buyer um but yeah um the other thing is you know research has become extremely important for us we started doing um we did an economic impact study five years ago at our 35th anniversary and we've just done another economic impact study and what's important is Outside of the true economics and those numbers, we are looking at the socioeconomic impact, sort of the tertiary benefits. Yeah. What happens to the child um, who grows up in, in a home um, that's owned, not just because they're buying it, but because they're less transient. They're not moving as much. They're not changing schools. So education Stability, improves. education. Health and, and health improves. I didn't really realize that our work was impacting people's health um, until years into my work. And this is year 22. 
you know, having grown up in poverty housing, and as I said in my TED talk, how my mother would talk about um, guilt me about having to, you know, sit up with me at night to make sure that I could breathe properly. I didn't even realize that it was the mold and the mildew in the old house that we lived in that was making me sick. I do realize that now. And probably 30, 40 years ago, the physical impact of the house was a really significant thing that we were trying to move people out of. Right now, it's more so about affordability. And what else can a family do with that set income if the housing is taken taken down to about 30%, that that other 20% that they were spending, making smart decisions about improving their lives outside of homeownership? I think for us, just to echo uh, what Dwayne was saying, and like I said before, our patients are not looking for a handout. They don't want they they want to work. They want to they want economic mobility. Um, people are born into privilege, and people aren't. And people have circumstances that put them in situations that impact their health negatively. And our goal is to get people back to work. That's where they want to be. They want to give back. They want to be of value. Um, and so I would say a misconception is that maybe we're, uh, some people might think that we're a crutch for some of our patients, but our goal is for our patients not to need us anymore. I love that. I it was instantly reminded of the little fires everywhere, like quote where she mm-hmm. was like, you didn't make good choices. You had good choices. That's exactly right. And that's yeah. the difference in having that kind of being born. You can't pick who your parents are. You know, you're born how you're born. And, That's right. And so kind of that equity that both of your organizations are providing for our community is tremendously important. And we love to lean in on um, the fact that we're creating um, independence, stability, and self-reliance. Because we're only providing the opportunity for homeownership. We're not paying the mortgage. Right. They are paying right. for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And they have taxes and and insurance. Just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. They just and they have the principal, just no interest. Mm-hmm. So. And our patients are empowered to take charge of their own health. I mean, when they mm-hmm. work with a dietitian or a health coach and come up with a health care plan along with their medical provider team, they are empowered to take care of themselves. Then they start shopping differently mm-hmm. along with some of the, you know, financial coaching um and 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 how to shop for healthy groceries affordably. Um, our patients are empowered to take care of themselves in a way that they weren't before they walked through our doors. And so it's like, what are they doing after they leave? Exactly. From- exactly. Yeah. And, and, and they're, they're shopping differently. They are, uh, there's economic mobility. Like I said, whether it's because they've seen our, they've come to our dental clinic mm-hmm. or they are learning how to cook healthier foods, or now they just have a doctor and they didn't have a doctor before they haven't seen a doctor in years. And now they can. Our patients might come to a primary care physician and the physician notices these symptoms that they're describing and then the labs that we've drawn are not indicating a physical issue. And they might call up to our behavioral health team, our therapists and our social workers and get them down there. And they meet with them that very same day, maybe set up an appointment for later to continue the work. And then our provider can go on to the next room. It's very efficient, but it empowers our patients to get there to take care of their own health, uh, that they are able to do that, and it prevents them from not coming back. 
You know, if there if we have opportunities for somebody not to come back, we try to make it as efficient as possible. If we can get you in on the same day, that's great. If that works with your schedule. If we can get a health coach or a social worker into your primary care physician's room when we notice there's an issue there too, fantastic. That means you don't have to try to find transportation on another day or time off work another day and not get paid. Yeah. It's that time off work too. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And especially to the way you were talking about earlier being having providers all over town. Like if you do only have that hour, you know, to be off work or Mm -hmm. whatever it is like that convenience of transportation and or proximity matters tremendously when you are against the clock. Might be next to your job site. I mean, yeah, that's really cool. Um, So I really have loved this conversation. I feel like we could talk to both of you for hours and hours, but our allotted time is up for today. Is there something that we didn't get to that each of you would like to share with um, our listener? I I think I'm forced to go back to the same mantra once again. It's about homeownership. I I think, you know, and what is bizarre is if we were looking for donors or contributors, there's this segment of the community who would say, oh, you're giving a home away. I'm going to help you. No, (laughs) but there's a whole other, the, 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 the right way of thinking about it is we are creating independence by creating home ownership. And we want people to realize that, to understand it. And um, we're going to be actually working with a PR firm to really focus in on um, better uh, communication and public awareness to basically dispel some of those myths because people seem to to go back to it. I think we fell victim to the sort of the Oprah syndrome. <laughs> we're in the 90s. Oprah had, yep. you know, mm-hmm. having to have homeowners on and she would hand them a key and it's you like, oh, this is wonderful. But she never really leaned into talking about um, the what fact happens? that they were buying a house. What happens next? Yeah. And some of our some of our colleagues are now starting to um, at the dedication literally hand the payment book to <laughs> That's the, clever. Yeah. Whether it's real or you know, yeah. but it's implied. Here's the payment book. You know, we hope that you will pay your mortgage on time and create your own independence. And then by paying your mortgage on time, you're helping the next family who's waiting for the same opportunity. It's not that golden ticket of here's your house. Now I waved a magic wand. And now, yeah, there's work to be done. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much um, for talking about how health really does start at home. And we are so grateful for both church health and habitat for humanity of greater Memphis. Y'all both do tremendous work and we're excited to see the work continue. Thank Thank you. you so much. There's so much good going on in the community, and I'm so excited to have had this conversation with Dwayne and Marcy, and I love that they were able to uncover some opportunities to work together that weren't even on their radar. (laughs) I know. That really was not planned um, and very fun and exciting to see the crossovers in their work, but also, like you said, the opportunities for even more connection. Absolutely. And opportunities for continued conversation. As we mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, this conversation stemmed from Dwayne's TEDx Memphis talk that uh, happened earlier this year that New Memphis produced as part of the TEDx Memphis conference. You can check our show notes on our podcast, which will be linked. Uh, but if you are listening on the radio, you can head to TEDx-Memphis.com and access a link to that video to see his full talk on YouTube. 
Absolutely. Um, And while we're talking about the connections that are available right here in Memphis, we would be remiss to not remind all educators that New Memphis will host a teacher's lounge tonight, May 2nd at Fancy's Fish House. This event is a casual safe space to converse with other pre-K through 12th grade teachers from around the city to discuss pressing topics in today's education landscape and to also grow together and have some fun. Each conversation is unique and food and drinks are always provided. This one will be particularly exciting, educators, because we will be teasing some of the giveaways that we will have during Teacher Appreciation Week next week during May 8th through the 12th, right over on our Instagram page at The New Memphis. We'll just go ahead and get an early shout out. Thank you, teachers. Absolutely. All right. Also on our radar is Celebrate What's Right, Culture City USA Happy Hour, which is coming up on Tuesday, May 16th. This is an exciting event to uh, uncover some of the ways that Memphis has had an impact on global culture and the ways that that impact is coming right back home. And it's an opportunity for us to get to know some of the folks who are doing that creative work. Our MC will be Kanji Anthony, who is the CEO and founder of Udall. And our panel will include David Quarles, interior designer and jewelry designer, Tara Stringfellow, novelist and author of Memphis, Kevin Thomas, artistic director of Collage Dance Collective, Esso Tolson, a multidisciplinary artist, and Pat Mitchell Worley, the CEO of the Soulsville Foundation. We also want to make sure we give a special shout out to our generous sponsors for this event, First Horizon and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. And we also want to just remind all of you listening to... Think about the connections and overlap in your own life and where you can also kind of challenge some of the assumptions and or stereotypes that you might be holding to for those in our Memphis community. Um, Tate, we're taking the lead from Habitat and from Church Health to remember that every single Memphian is a valued member of our city. So until next week, bye. This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.